0: Hello, humans. Welcome to Not You Guillermo, What we'll We Do in the Shadows podcast, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Patrick Monahan,
1: And I'm Nicole Conlon. This week, we're going to recap episode seven of season three of What We Do in the Shadows. And later in the episode, we'll be joined by actor John Gabris to talk about his role in the pilot and what he's learned about warfing since then. Okay, episode seven The Siren. The official description was. Two travelers are shipwrecked and a doll runs away from home. And the doll in question is, of course, Nadja's ghost self who has been transported, who has been...
0: Yeah, I actually wrote down the title that appears when they had the little Chirons. It says, a doll with the spirit of deceased human Nadja inhabiting it. So that is the official.
1: Great. So, yes. So she is inhabiting this doll who looks like Nadja Uh, And basically the doll feels as though she's getting no respect around the house. Nadja doesn't have time for her anymore. So she gets herself a little bindle and she walks out the door. And then meanwhile, Nadja and Nandor have agreed to run the vampiric council on alternate days. So every like Monday, Wednesday, Friday is Nandor and every like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday is Nadja. And then I guess Sunday is anybody's guess. And the guide, who is Kristen Shaw, says it's, like, a wildly inefficient way (laughs) of running the council, and they just have to, like, every day they have to, like, undo whatever the person did the previous day. And they're so busy with that that the doll runs away. But eventually, Nadja does realize that the doll has gone missing, and because the doll is Nadja, Nadja knows that she's doing this for attention and she wants to be followed so she demands that Nandor and Guillermo go with her to find this doll. They go to what I believe is the same store where the sire was kind of terrorizing. It's like a no name Walmart. And they go to the toys section. And Nadja knows that, like, what she would do in the doll's position is she would go sit on a shelf amongst all of the other toys and wait for some little girl to find her and take her home. Turns out she's right. And the doll is there and, like, jumps out and attacks. <laughs> Nandor. He he like throws the doll off because I thought it was a big bug. And uh, then when she like smashes to the ground, it seems like she's dead. But then a mannequin at the end of the aisle, like a human sized woman mannequin with a short black bob starts moving. And we realize that Nadja's ghost has inhabited this new form. And the mannequin kind of staggers out the door because she's still running away from Nadja who keeps telling her to stop and is alternatingly like very empathetic and like, please, I just want you to come home. And then uh, is like immediately always like, you stupid bitch. Um, and so they follow her kind of around Staten Island. She inhabits like a big statue. I assume angel. I think it, I think it had wings. I don't remember. Like a big female statue. Everybody around like runs away because the statue starts moving. And eventually she leaves the statue and she goes into one of those big inflatable rats that are- Scabby the uh, rat. Yeah, 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 that are there. If you don't live in New York, there's uh, whenever there's like a labor dispute, then a, a union will put up like a giant inflatable rat outside of. You know, whatever corporation is is responsible. And so then this giant rat is like crawling around with Nadja's voice. And then finally they have a showdown in an alley where Nandor like punches the rat and punctures it and it starts to deflate. And then Nadja and Nadja's ghost inside the rat have like an emotional moment where they talk about like how they need their needs met and how they've learned something from each other because they're themselves. And Nadia convinces Nadja within the rat, (laughs) to go back into the doll and come home and live with them again. And then at the end, they have a moment where they're like, I know that I need to ask for what I want emotionally. And I need to, uh, you know, I've I've been trying to be taken seriously so long. I need need to cut myself some slack and embrace the fun, silly side of my wonderful personality. And so it kind of ends happily.
0: Meanwhile, the duo of Laszlo and Colin, who uh, Colin refers to as the dudes, uh, which I think will be a nice shorthand uh, going forward. Uh, they uh, <laughs> steal a a I guess, like a booze cruise, like a party boat. Um, <laughs> that's kind of the opening of the episode is them terrorizing the people that were on. There's a lot of flashing lights and stuff. It's very, uh, it's too small to be like a bar mitzvah boat, you know, like a party where you'd have like a party like that. But it's that kind of vibe. Uh, and uh, their plan is to go to a place called Plum Island, which is a government research facility or former government research facility on an island near New York, they have a, a suspicion that it may hold the secret of Colin Robinson's origins. So we're getting back into the lore here. Very exciting for me. And uh, we learn as they're sort of uh, uh, setting sail, even though they don't have a sail, Laszlo was a sea captain in the old days among his many past lives and not too successful, it would seem, which also yeah, is in keeping with implied- a lot of this.
1: Ending in disaster.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, just again, just adding to add into the overall uh, story of Laszlo. And uh, they get some of the way out to sea, and then they start to hear a beautiful song. And at first, they recognize that it sounds like a trap and seems like a trap. Uh, they must have gotten some kind of classical education. And uh, then they are overwhelmed by the voice, and they head towards it and shipwreck the boat. And they're running around on the island, and it's kind of a almost like a like it looks like a power station kind of that's like decommissioned sort of, or like a radio tower is there or something along those lines. And there is a half woman, half uh, like ostrich um, kind of, yeah, yeah emu, yeah, uh, who identifies herself eventually as as a siren, or is identified as a siren. Her name is Sheila. She is played by Kat uh, Cohen, the comedian. You know, yeah, hor- really horrifying special effects here, I have to say.
1: <laughs> Very unsettling. It, the first time that her face transformed into the bird really made me laugh. Yeah.
0: So, so, so yeah, I should also mention that, you know, part of the whole deal with the sirens is they don't just, like, lure you to, you know, hang out. They also, uh, you know, kill you and eat you and that kind of stuff. And, and there's bones. And I think the first thing we see that uh, is unsettling that she does is she uh, basically, like, eats an entire arm all at once and then spits out a watch. But yeah, her face transforms into like a bird. just kind of like a baby bird almost like the shape Mm -hmm. kind of her face lengthens.
1: And she also eats, she holds things above her head as though she were being baby birded. Yeah.
0: And you know, when she's not singing, she's, you know, a little less appealing, I guess, to the, to the guys, (laughs) uh, at least initially the dudes. And they start to realize they're in some trouble. They end up, Sitting back to back, I guess, but they're not tied up for some reason. Um, Laz, you know, Lazlo immediately tries to fly away like a bat, and she catches him with the song, and he comes back. But he does eventually escape, leaving Colin by himself. And his mission is to, you know, help Colin in some way. And I guess this at this point he meets up with the gang, who is, uh, you know, they're chasing after the doll at this point. I think the doll is in the statue at this point. If I if I'm remembering correctly, or, that sounds or, right. Yeah. And
1: or just, like, freshly in the wrap, Yeah. It's somewhere in that area. Yeah,
0: and, like, Guillermo volunteers to help Laszlo to find, basically, he needs something to cover his ears to make him, you know, immune to the siren song. And so, uh Guillermo Yeah, In the way that
1: Odysseus' crew stuffed their ears with cotton, Laszlo needs a way to make himself deaf to block out all sound.
0: Yes. And, uh, naturally, Guillermo takes him to Best Buy. And... <laughs> He uh, meets up with, and I did not write down her name, but a, a Judy, a Best Buy, Judy, Best Buy sales associate, who immediately sort of rolls him into talking about all kinds of stuff that does not involve noise canceling headphones. They're doing like a stereo demo. She's mm-hmm. doing the whole like you know uh, she sells
1: him on a drone.
0: Sells him on a drone, which yeah, which is interesting. But it's just all this you know uh, you know I'm kind of an audiophile, you know because he, he he asks <laughs> what's the difference between five point one and seven point one surround sound. And she says, well, you know, for most people, there's no difference. But I'm kind of not I and I kind of think you are, too. So just the classic.
1: <laughs> One thing I really liked about that scene is when they first run into Judy, her audio is really quiet, and then it's fine for the rest of the episode. So clearly what they're implying is that the whole crew was supposed to go in, get in, get the noise-canceling headphones, get out. And so at that point, Judy was not mic'd. But eventually the crew was like, we're going to be here a while. We better mic this lady <laughs> and then they put a mic on her so we could all hear her
0: yeah uh she became a yeah from a extra to a supporting character very quickly and it was just all due to her i mean if you've ever been shopping at best buy this is like the super duper version of shopping at best buy with like your parents or something (laughs) it's somebody who's hundreds of years old and is in a position where they can get just completely talked into anything um you know, like gold monster cables, all that kind, of, all that kind of stuff from the, you know, <laughs> that, like well, these sound better. They're you know they it's it's better uh, connection. You know, when it's an HDMI cable that you can get for two bucks that does the same thing. So yeah, so they're in Best Buy. He makes a variety. They got like multiple carts to get the stuff out.
1: Not just carts, but like those flatbed yes. things that you can stack. Yeah, I
0: was trying to articulate. Yeah, like the like the things you get in a hotel, but minus the thing for the hangers, like yeah. the, like that kind of thing. <laughs> And a couple of those, and then he goes to uh, the cashier and immediately busts out the, I will not be paying for any of these things. And the cashier, with the hypnosis, and the cashier uh, responds, great. And then he starts to try to offer him the, you know, various various <laughs> loyalty programs and things. That, you, know, you can never just have a transaction at a place like Best Buy. There's four different <laughs> things they have to make you say no to before you can even pay. And so he goes, you know, uh, I won't be talked into any extended warranty, you know, or yes. anything like that. And Nor he kinda, he, will
1: I sign up for any loyalty rewards programs or yeah, credit so, cards.
0: So he's got it pretty pretty well scouted, I have to say. Uh, but then uh, he does agree to give his email and
1: oh, for the Geek Squad, yes, <laughs> yes, for of the course. Geek Squad. Uh,
0: <laughs> so uh, that's yeah. So anyway, they leave Best Buy. They've got all this stuff. Then uh, Guillermo reminds him uh, that he was in there to help Colin Robinson. So he then takes off and uh, hatches a plan and shows up. Meanwhile, Colin Robinson has, at least in his mind, fallen in love with Sheila. They are singing Islands in the Stream, uh, karaoke (laughs) style. And they have a conversation about how, you know, uh, they're both sort of misunderstood and uh, all that. And that's right when Laszlo shows up, more or less bundles uh, Colin up puts the, forces the headphones onto him and then just flies away. Um, despite Colin telling him, I'm actually in love with Sheila, and uh, that's the end of the time on the island. They get back to the house and Colin appears to have some kind of connection to Sheila because he's listening to the audio of her singing, and he says he's going to. Uh, I'll just say he's gonna crank one out, I guess. We'll say. He's you know? gonna
1: beat off. He uses yeah. the term beat off, which is incredibly funny. There's not yeah, a whole lot of Yeah, crank one out is more delicate than yeah, beat off. Yeah, it's a lot more. I think
0: it's a lot more delicate, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's that's our episode right there. I really enjoyed. I thought both stories had a lot of really funny stuff.
1: Yeah, this was a really fun episode.
0: First of all, we didn't even mention at the very beginning, as part of their administering of the Vampiric Council, they are on a Zoom or something with, I guess, I guess the deal is they thought he was Count Dracula or something? Yeah, they thought
1: Scott Bakula was Count Dracula, so they're Zooming him, and we come in at the moment that Naja kind of figures out that he's not actually a vampire.
0: Right. He's just like, yeah. And, you know, he's uh Nandor kind of pops in like, you know, midway through and is like, I'm a huge fan. I just have, you know, one question. You know, uh, did you ever have an ancestral home in Transylvania? You know, and he says, uh, well, we're we're all here in Sherman Oaks, I believe is what he says. Uh <laughs> and it's just getting increasingly exasperated. Not clear why he took the call in the first place or how they got in. Touch I mean, with maybe
1: them. he thought he maybe he thought it was an audition. <laughs> I don't know that Scott Vacula's working a lot these days. I mean, does he the, might does
0: be. The, does the star of whichever NCIS he was the star of or, or whichever one of those? Thing, he was definitely the lead of one of those. Uh, I don't think he Yeah, you audition. know what? He
1: might be offer only now that yeah. I'm thinking about it. Maybe he yeah. thought he was getting an offer.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, he's like a, you know, like a pallet swap Mark Harmon. So he was definitely one of the <laughs> NCIS guys, I feel like. Let's see if we can confirm that. But yeah, so, that, that's, so that's, that's sort of the NCIS New Orleans. Yeah. So there we go. Um, yeah, as part of the administration, the things they go back and forth on, like what Nadia wants to cancel that Nandor was instituting were very funny. Like he was going to sponsor a Little League team. Which I think was he, sort he of, was
1: going to sponsor a Little League He and also like an MS fun run <laughs> or yeah. something with the rationale that, well, we need humans to be healthy so that we have healthy food. And then Nadia sensibly was like, So what are the race t-shirts going to say? Are they going to say, sponsored by the vampires who walk among us? (laughs) (laughs) That you're not supposed to know
0: about. Yeah. (laughs) He wanted to do lots of nice stuff. You know, he's kind of a softie, despite being a conqueror.
1: What we have been learning this season is that Andrew's not a bad guy.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's the start anyway. I mean, uh, but yeah, to go back to things that I really enjoyed, I loved, you know, obviously later when it gets into the rat, it's even better. But I was getting such a kick out of the doll, like marionetting around. Like walking around. I thought that was just the funniest little motion to watch. I was just getting it was such a treat.
1: Well, she specifies that her legs are five centimeters long. So yeah. it's watching her like scoot around is really it's good. It's just like
0: a great with her uh, little bindle. Yeah. And I was going to say thank you for knowing the word bindle. That's always a, a delightful, you know, because it's one of those words that people know what you're talking about if you describe uh-huh. it, but they don't know the word bindle. So it's, it's a
1: bindle. It's for anybody at home who doesn't know a bindle is like when when like a cartoon runs away from home, they get a long stick with a little handkerchief tied to the end, and all their possessions go in the little handkerchief. She has one of those. It's very good. One thing I enjoyed was there was a talking head with guillermo and the doll at the same time and guillermo was so pissed he was yes <laughs> so mad disrespectful that he had to share his talking head it was like that's what we're doing now we're just putting we're just putting all the b-listers in one so you can just knock out our interviews all at the same time great because this wasn't a big guillermo episode but he made a meal out of what he was yes given.
0: yes he played it yeah he played an important role i do want to say the doll also i enjoyed uh they had a little montage of some of the stuff she was doing before, you know, when she was, like, becoming, you know, she said, like, I've made a home here. And they showed her kind of getting in with the, you know, with the vampires. She is arguably a better sword fighter than Nandor based on a uh-huh. sequence they showed. Um, <laughs> he was teaching her how to sword fight, and then she disarms him, and he says, uh, oh, shit, uh, she's pretty good or something like that. Uh, <laughs> so that was really You do a good Nandor.
1: Thank Normally you. Normally, I do most of the voices on the show, and I'm bad at all of them. But I committed be-
0: very... very uh, for me, that's a huge... You know, I'm not a big act-out guy, so that was mm-hmm. that was very big for me to commit to that. Uh, look, um, uh,
1: you you should be. You're nailing it.
0: Working without a net here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so other than that, I mean, you know, I'm disappointed we didn't get any more information about uh, the Energy Vampires. That sort of plan was so derailed. So here's
1: what I think. First of all, as, as long as we're on that storyline, we should talk about Catherine Cohen, who is wonderful and so yes. funny. And also... I've worked with her and she's she's so nice and so lovely as a person, but her like stage character is woman with a beautiful voice who is so annoying and unbearable. <laughs> so there's like nobody else on earth who could play this siren, probably as well as Catherine Cohen. I have to wonder if the part was they saw her and then were like, well, we gotta write something for her. Cause it's like this bit is just what she does. It's so she was so good, so good at it. And I think. So they talk about Plum Island as a place where the government has been doing experiments on wildlife and I think that she is the result of that and that she herself is sort of an energy vampire. If if for some reason energy vampires are connected to Plum Island and that is where the wildlife experiments happens, it makes sense that a woman who is like does karaoke but is very annoying and is also half chicken or something would fit into that landscape and also might be why she and Colin hit it off right away.
0: Mm. I would say, you know, and I Plum Island. and I thought it sounded familiar and it took me a minute to figure out. I just, I just checked it up real quick. It's on the North shore of long Island. It's way out on the end of long Island. And it was, I don't know if you remember this, but this is, this was a, a big thing on like on the internet back in like 20, I don't know, 13 or 12, maybe even earlier than that. But it was the, uh, these mysterious, like, dead animals were washing up on the shore in places. And one was most famously called the Montauk monster. And it looks like a, it's not clear what it is. It's like a, it's like a pig with a beak or something. It's, it's like very strange <laughs> looking. And one of the big theories was that, well, that, that was like, you know, not, it's like pretty, uh, close to Plum Island and it could be the result, like an escaped creature. or Interesting. Something. So this is, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a fun, like, uh, Easter egg for, for people who like cryptids and things like that. Cause Palm Island has some of that kind of, you know, cachet. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember the Montauk monster. I remember stuff washing up, but I didn't go deep enough into it to be able to make that connection.
0: Yeah. How, how could you, how could you not, you know, honestly, it's, you know, essential. <laughs> it's important that I pushed <laughs> other information from like my childhood out of my head.
1: Also, uh, when they're talking, uh, Catherine Cohen, AKA the siren gets nervous and, uh, does a little poop in her words on Colin's shoes and he says it's not the first time a woman has shit on my shoes so the the more the season goes the more we're learning more and more about Colin Robinson's potential scat fetish yes
0: involuntary involuntarily learning more and more you know just <laughs>
1: yeah whatever, against my will
0: yeah whatever goes on in that weird little boiler room setup he's got down there just keep keep it off camera that's that's you know that's all I ask I think mm-hmm. at this point <laughs>
1: So this whole storyline kind of, you know, inspires the question, was Colin really in love? Or was he just sucked in by her siren's call?
0: It's a question that really, like, can't have an answer that Mm -hmm. you can really count on, right? Because, yeah, I don't know. It's like a recursive thing, you know? It's I don't want to say chicken and egg. um, Because (laughs) it's it's not really that anyway. Uh, But um, speaking of which, Colin also said he would pay real money to watch her lay a couple of eggs, I believe, which also might be more along
1: the same. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. If she's a chicken, it would all be just one hole. It's all cloaca. So they're not dissimilar actions for her.
0: Yeah. So, you know, pretty cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you know, I would say that the fact that he was, like pursuing it after the fact maybe tilts me more towards that he actually was because he's very quick to drop things it seems like when they don't serve him anymore uh for you know one reason or another so
1: well his only other romantic interest throughout the series was evie the emotional vampire and it it seemed like all things considered he was pretty able to just let her go right away
0: yeah so the fact that he's I mean, you know, it's also kind of all intertwined with the Plum Island stuff, maybe to some extent. So, you know, the thing is, like, they were not like they were just off Staten Island, I think, because they showed like a map of them going, and they were like not close to Plum Island. So, you know, it was they. So, I don't know if that pokes a hole in any of these theories. But uh, I also, it's a show about vampires, so maybe geography is not as important. <laughs> I'm just gonna point point to that. Well, as well, it's
1: it's they definitely do make it clear that they crashed on this island before getting to Plum Island. So this is not Plum Island. But, you know, it's possible that she's half bird. She might have the gift of flight and we don't know it. Maybe she came to this other weird island. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I will say it does feel like we're, I don't think we have any definitive answers, but seeing that he does have something of a weakness, I think we're getting a little closer to figuring out what kills him. Like, I think maybe he would have to allow himself to be consumed in some Mm. way.
0: Or you arrange some kind of like uh Bugs Bunny style, like Bugs Bunny in a wig, whirlwind (laughs) romance.
1: That's it. That's what kills Colin Robinson is Bugs Bunny dressed up as a pretty lady.
0: (laughs) And then leaving him at the altar or whatever, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Man, before I started this, we were, Jordan and I were watching um, the old Disney, like from the 50s or 60s, Headless Horseman cartoon with Ichabod Crane. And I forgot that Bing Crosby like sing narrates the whole thing. I think Bing Crosby was like a big get for Disney for this. And so they were like, well just just let him do the he wants to do jazz, just let him do jazz. So the whole story is like, it's a fella named Ichabod Crane. And it's it's just so the wrong tone for the story yes. of the headless horseman the whole time.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's yeah, that's that's one of the few things that that I I can't argue with the Tim Burton aesthetic, which which is I find kind of tiresome generally. Uh-huh. Uh, like that's how it's supposed to be like the end yeah fine. for sure but yeah, you know, Sleepy Hollow, not too far from Staten Island, so we're back in the world of the show. there you go. It's like in yeah. Westchester somewhere or something. We should know?
1: get a headless horseman episode, I think.
0: yeah, maybe they'll go there. who knows maybe you know
1: now the other question we have to ask every episode is did Guillermo get closer or farther away from becoming a vampire? and I think this one is an absolute farther away. <laughs> He's now having to share his interview with the doll. He's mad about it. He's just taking Laszlo on an errand at Best Buy, and he can't even stop him from buying stuff. This is... Guillermo is not going to become a vampire anytime soon, based on this episode,
0: in my Yeah, opinion. I mean, I would say this is kind of... I, I would have said this is just kind of a holding pattern one. There wasn't, like, a big change one way or the other, because, I mean, the crew of the show, how they set up the uh, interviews, is not determining who's going to be able to... Uh, so, from the perspective of, like you know, Nandor and Nadia and Laszlo like, yeah, I mean, he helped Laszlo. So that's a plus. But I mean, uh, it doesn't seem very appreciative because he like flew away immediately. But yeah, I mean, I think I I would say it's not it's kind of a because nothing really happened that was about him. It's kind of a I don't know. I, I feel like there's not really a move in either direction. That's my that's my takeaway.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. There was a very funny small Guillermo moment, which is after they get like the two pallets of Best Buy stuff outside. And Laszlo's like, Oh shit! And he takes the noise canceling headphones and flies away as a bat. Then Guillermo just like kind of sighs and turns both of the carts around and starts pushing them back into yeah. Best Buy, <laughs> which is really
0: good. You got to keep that stuff, man. Who cares? They can afford it.
1: He should resell it. He has no yeah. money. He's not I getting mean, paid by the vampires. There's not
0: like there's no there's no vampire loss prevention like you know personnel you know. Yeah, at, I mean that's one question. You know, plot hole. Uh, who was checking the receipt? because there was no There's receipt. There's always the
1: guy at the door who checks the receipt. Yeah. I'm sure Laszlo just went, you don't need to check my receipt.
0: Right, it must have been. Yeah. But, you know, I would like, from a completeness perspective, I'd like to get that in there as well. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. When we come back, we'll be talking with actor John Gabrus, who you remember way back from season one, about his experience working as a warfinger? Warfinger? I don't know what this word is.
0: We're going to find out. We are back, and we have a very special guest with us. Uh, Please welcome to the show, John Gabris.
2: Oh, hi, Patrick. Hi, Nicole. Hey. (laughs) Hello. What's
0: up, man? It's crazy. We haven't been talking at all before this. This is so insane. As an intro here, relative to the show, you appear in the first and second episodes as the character uh, credited as Warfinger.
2: Yes, I learned what a warfinger was on my on the day I was cast. <laughs> I just I never heard that word until I auditioned for it.
1: It's like a dock worker. It's a right? dock like Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's a dock worker. I mean, I should know that since I have dock worker face and build. Uh, like, it, yes, it, uh, <laughs> I should be typecast
1: again.
2: Way more warfinger roles these days. <laughs> I should be in Wire season two reboot with just me. <laughs>
1: Well, see, the problem, there's so many supply chain issues right now because of coronavirus that there's just not a lot of Warfinger
2: work. Warfingers are just getting a lot of the heat these days because of all the fucking supply chain stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. I feel, I feel like that audition must have been, what, like you and Sean Donnelly going toe-to-toe? Oh, f- like uh...
2: All my life, me, Sean Donnelly, uh, John Gemberling, and uh, <laughs> whoever else is around. Whoever else is around and has a beard that hides their second neck. Uh, LAUGHTER
0: so yeah, the, the Warfinger—you are the the guy with the iPad uh, who who arranges for the uh, after the arrival of the Baron way back in the first episode on the shores of Staten Island to uh, visit our heroes who are uh, have been charged with conquering the New World. And uh, there's a particular scene where uh, Nando or Nadia are trying to sign for the delivery. And uh, they can't work the iPad because they are uh, not of this world and not alive. Yes.
2: Um, Uh, Simple premise. I had a fucking blast. I mean, so this is the pilot. So this is shot like one full year, if not two full years before season one airs. Like it's feel it's like so far in advance. I'm aware of the movie. Like I love the movie, uh, what we do in the shadows. And then I'm sure I'm auditioning for. What we do in the shadows, the TV show. I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is like the same thing. Then I'm like, oh, it takes place in New York. That's exciting. I could and then when I show up, they're like, uh, they just want you to do like a New York accent, go as New York as possible. I was like, easy for me. Uh, it's where my bread is buttered. <laughs> I do that. And then the next thing I know, they're like, Look, uh, you booked it. You gotta be in Long Beach at uh 2:30 in the morning. It's being directed by Taika and Jermaine. They co-directed the pilot and this is shortly, I mean, this is predates Jojo Rabbit. I feel like this is post Thor. And I'm like such a stoked little dude going like, oh. so I, a 40 year old white comedy fan who grew up, uh, came up in New York. So of course I'm familiar. Of course I saw <laughs> Flight of the Concords with Mike Birbiglia open for them in the front row of UCB Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> when they were just this random New Zealand guitar comedy band that everyone was talking about. And then they change, you know, fucking change that game. So I was so stoked to show up there and then I wasn't familiar with any of the other cast members except for Matt Berry and I didn't even know who was in the cast until I showed up that day and Matt Berry was the only one but Harvey uh, who plays Guillermo was insanely kind to me and we are still buddies can't say the same for Jackie Daytona (laughs) 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 No I mean he was not mean to me at all Yeah He's busy. <laughs> Homie's got work. He's layered work, you know.
1: So it so you shot it in the the pilot was shot in like 2016, right? Correct. Yeah, and then it didn't come out till 2019. Was there a point that you were like, I don't know if this is going to come out ever?
2: I've done a handful of pilots. Yeah, that's right. Big brag. Uh,
1: (laughs) In my 15 years in the
2: business, I've done a couple of pilots, uh, never a a lead, just guest stars. And you just assume it's not going to air for your own sanity. And I was kind of bummed because especially once I met the cast... And I didn't even know how much more of it. I didn't get to read the whole script or anything, so I didn't know how much more to the cast there was or anything. But once I saw the whole cast and still had never heard about it getting picked up, I was getting, like, a little sad. I was like, oh, man, I want this show to get picked up, A, because uh, if it gets picked up, I get a little bit more money because people see it. So you get a little airing residual. But more importantly, I was like, this is the kind... And then... So frequently, I do work that goes nowhere. So frequently, uh, less frequently, I do work that maybe goes somewhere. But it's so rare that I do work that you wait to hear of several years about. And then when it comes out, it's not only good, but people like it. Holy shit. And I look, and. Forgive me if I connected me being on it at all to it being good. (laughs) Like that. I'm not saying it's a, uh, you know, it's it's not causation uh, or correlation. It's just so stoked to be like the amount of people who text me still, hey, is that you in the pilot? Because so many people just are starting the show. Like, despite having not, like, so many people have already watched it. And so many more people are like, I've heard such good things. Let me start the show. And it's fucking, it's a good, comedy show it's what it's very it's one of the funny shows on tv right now
1: so you didn't get to see the whole script before uh you showed it. it was just your scene and then did i mean you're i know you from ucb You're obviously a very talented improviser. Did you get to do much improv on set? That seems like a scene where it would come up. I got, uh, in the
2: audition, I was kind of comfortable knowing what we do in the shadows, like being a sort of like semi-scripted, mock. so I was like a little comfortable uh, improvising. So I was doing some riffing and they were like, that's great. That's great. And then on the day, Jermaine, who was pretty much directing the scene, just straight up said like... Just keep talking to them, you know, like, like that was his (laughs) like non, you know, not knowing I'm 20 year student of UCB to just be like, just keep talking to them was his pitch on his direction on riffing. And it's super easy to play that level of uh, the voice of reason of, okay, one of you just needs to sign it against those four huge characters trying to sign it. It was so easy. And then it was over. And it was, we shot on an actual dock in Long Beach at like before sunrise. It was cool as hell. And then they were like, okay, that was a pleasure. You can head home. And it's like 6.15 a.m. And I'm done with work for the day or like 7 a.m. Such a weird vibe. So I just like drive home and i'm like wow that was kind of interesting that's kind of cool and then three years later it's like it's airing and i'm like oh (laughs) and then it's huge and every one of these people are oh everyone loves the cast it's like something that just completely went out of my mind so it's like such a cool experience to just not Think about the show for so long And then it Which I'm assuming The cast members were More frantically thinking about it Hoping that it came back (laughs) So they didn't have to Wait tables or Whatever again So for me I was like uh, Ecstatic to hear that Anything came of it Like And then it's a bummer that it moved to Toronto because, like, it's one of those things where you're like, what if the Warfinger lived in the neighborhood? Or what if more stuff had to come <laughs> yeah. to the dock? You could bring me back. And meanwhile, it's like, to say three lines, you could get a local Toronto hire to fake a Warfinger. It's like, <laughs> fine, I'll be okay. I'll make it. Sorry, now I'm just airing my own career grievances with you guys. I I just need health insurance. That is a fair amount of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just need to make 2022 health insurance. That's all.
0: That's the subtext of every podcast, really, I
1: think. (laughs) Yes, we all need health insurance. Please, for the love of God, we need health insurance. (laughs) Of what we do in the Shadows podcast. (laughs) So you had like a pretty short day on set. What other, like, pilots and acting stuff have you done since then?
2: Since then, interesting. Not particularly, uh, you know, I've done some work. I'm trying to think of anything in particular that is fun to plug since then. Not much, you know. Uh, I've done <laughs> not much. Mostly audio work since then. A lot of podcasts. Uh, but one of the highlights for me was I got to, like, normally when you guest star, you got to, like, Wear like uncomfortable. Like, this is so corny, but everything for me comes down to like how they were like, wear jeans and a flannel. I was like, yes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and then you show up and everyone else is in like waistcoats, vest or whatever. They're all in like tails and like uh, frilly things. And I'm just like, ah, oh, that must be a bummer. And then that's what I think about watching the show is just like that they have to get dressed like that every episode stresses me
1: out. I'm like, I bet it would be fun for the first like three days. And then after that, it's like, Oh, I got to do all this. Oh God only. No, I just
2: did a shoot where they had to cover up my, they weren't paying me enough money for me to shave to guest star on, uh, The God's Honest Truth, Charlemagne, the God's uh, Comedy Central uh, show. I so I had to get prosthetics, bald cap put over my beard to give me like I was playing Barbecue Becky from uh, the memes. Uh, And Uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, I know that you know you asked Nicole what kind of work have you done since then? I was like, oh Christ, uh, I I day played as Barbecue Becky for a few.
1: It's wild that it was they. Like, I feel like by the time you're buying face prosthetics to cover a beard, they may as well just pay you enough money to shave. And let's
2: not even get into the whole idea of just hiring a woman that doesn't have a beard. And
1: right. <laughs> like... Well, that's not It's gotta option. be Gabrus.
0: I need Gabrus. <laughs> Only
2: Gabrus could play Barbecue Becky. Uh, the person who we know <laughs> nothing about except for one uh, racist story. But... uh <laughs> I spent like 3 hours getting like two bald caps stretched over my face and like tri- and like I had to get my beard like waxed down so that it was I had to trim it then wax it down so it wasn't puffy underneath so much effort was put in and I was like oh my god I just thought of like Worf from Star Trek. Everyone who yeah. needs like <laughs> makeup for every day of work, and which is mo- all actors, but to get special effects makeup done every single day, like that's a lot of sitting in the chair with a near stranger talking to you about their day. It's a lot.
0: Uh, I was hoping you were going to get the cap over the beard, and you were just going to have like a handsome Squidward face, just like a huge <laughs> lantern. And it, does, it
2: I do. Like this is horrifying, and she's not going to be excited to hear this. But I look exactly like my mom the second. (laughs) I put this like spackle over my beard and gave myself like it gave me a little bit of old lady jowls like you know like 65 year old woman of uh, who spends time in the sun face it like all happened over my beard I sent it to my mom I sent it to my family chat and I was like who do I look like And everyone was like, Jesus Christ, this is horrifying. Like everyone was like, (laughs) my immediate family going, oh my God. And proceeding, yeah, you look just like mom. Jesus Christ, it's disgusting. Holy shit, you look just like mom. (laughs) It's absolutely horrifying. So my my mom, who's a killer on the uh, family chat, absolute sniper, is just like, Weird that I didn't get called for this audition and I was like, you know what, Joanne? You should be playing barbecue, Becky. (laughs) Like, what the fuck (laughs) am I doing here? My mom would love to find out how much a SAG actor makes.
0: (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. I mean... You know, uh, we're we're looking at our questions here. You know, uh, it, we, we cover whether you have a lot of experience with wharves, wharfs. Uh, I am, you know, I am,
2: I grew up on an island, uh, which was, which was fun. Not the island of Staten, but the island of Long. So for me, <laughs> I grew up, I grew up in a town called Freeport, which is on the water. So I do have a little bit of dock experience. I uh, was a beach lifeguard. So I have a, a plenty of ocean experience, but I'm a big fan of docks sitting on them, drinking jumping <laughs> off of them into water real dockhead yeah i'm a real dockhead <laughs> i can go i like love docks big time dock sucker over here uh
1: <laughs> okay my friend was a lifeguard in high school and she had to do a test where she had to like tread water for five minutes holding a cinder block over her head. yeah uh, did you have to do not that Not a
2: cinder block but i had to do it with like a weighted brick over my a weighted brick all bricks have weight, but like a foam rubber covered
1: except those helium bricks
2: the helium bricks i built my house out of that and fucking uh the big bad wolf bad really annihilated it <laughs> <laughs> did a number
1: on it I can't, I can't swim at all and he
2: blew my house
1: up uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can't swim at all. Like,
1: I can't swim at all. Like, I grew up in Colorado, not a lot of use for it there. And then now every time I go swimming, it's a huge disaster. But you,
2: like, you can, like, if you fell off your friend's boat, stay alive for a couple of minutes or you're, or
1: yeah, I can, I can stay alive long enough for somebody to like throw me a floaty okay. and then, because that's truly, I it. do
2: believe everyone should have at least that level of swimming skills just for safety and the inevitable flooding of America causes us of to course, become an yeah. amphibious, uh, culture. You might want
1: to be all the- I'm out West. So I'm going to die in a fire before that. Oh, smart, smart. That's easy.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, it's your choice. You want to drown or burn? It's America, baby. Those Freedom are your of choice. Pro choice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, we would love to hear what you think of the season so far. Uh, if you have any theories about where the show's going, is Guillermo gonna become a vampire ever? Also a big topic of conversation on the show is how do you kill Colin Robinson cuz we can't figure it out. Oh, yes. How- Fire <laughs> doesn't do it. I know it's it's I really love
2: also in season 3 we met another energy vampire which was cool like uh which uh that was that was kind of thrilling to see another person in that world. Um okay, so end of season 2 Uh, I gotta shout out Harvey's performance as Guillermo fucking De La Cruz dropping the fucking steak on the Vampire Council when he's smoking all those vamps that was very fun and it was awesome to watch a plus size comedic actor get to do fucking violence which is something i've been dying to do on tv or in movies or in the web or audio anywhere any i just want to do uh, simulated violence so i'm hoping harvey if he does uh, sorry if uh guillermo does become a vampire he becomes like a day walker Oh, that reminds me. I'm sure I'm sure you guys talked about so much stuff, but I hadn't watched season two or any of three as of a couple of weeks ago and was waiting for spooky movie season, a.k.a. October 1st. So I started ripping through episodes and that episode in season two where all of the famous vampires from different movies and like the major vampire crossover scene was so fucking funny. Like and they're yeah, like, and Robert's not coming. Like all the way they talked about it all is so thrilling.
0: <laughs> yes, and they got they got and they got Wesley snipes. They got which, snipes you know, uh, in like, the yeah.
2: fucking house, man. I mean, on Zoom, which is the probably the best way to <laughs> work with Wesley. Uh <laughs> 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 you don't want you don't want him dropping into your like cable TV set, a dude who's used to like uh, you know, passenger 57 level of treatment. And you're like, hey, we're just running and gunning this FX series. He's like,
1: now, that being said, he also he did a movie called Future Sport with Dean Kane that was uh, several, several steps down from what we do in the shadows. It was shot in like the like just a suburban skate park. And they were like, it's the future. Yeah,
2: I actually that movie came out in the 90s. Right. Because I remember it being like, this feels like a movie from when I was a kid, like 98 yeah. or something like yeah. that. I remember hearing someone say I'm like oh yeah like that 70s movie and they were like no it's got Dean Kane and and I was like whoa they made like a rollerball ripoff ripoff ripoff
0: eventually so thank God take it easy Wesley this isn't drop zone okay <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what I'm hey, why,
2: why don't you why don't you save that for US Marshals the spiritual sequel to The Fugitive <laughs> uh I, I think uh, I How to Kill Colin Robinson, I feel like hopefully this is one of the shows that gets to know that its series is ending. I think it's successful enough that they get to call their own shot at this point. It's not going to be like, plug, pull, done, what we do in the shadows. So I think if they get to do that, I'd like to see Colin Robinson be the only one to survive because in the end, when the world is, when we either die in the global fires or uh, the flooding of America and we become an amphibious culture, I think energy vampires will still be standing there just, <laughs> uh, okay, so you're going to stand over there during the flooding. Okay. Like I just, those types of people that I'm assuming he's based on, they're indestructible. They don't feel <laughs> the same shit that the rest of us feel. They, they're they not affected in the same way the rest of us are.
0: Now you mentioned before uh, that uh, you were, or we were talking before we, we started recording that uh, on IMDb, you are listed in episode one and two as Warfinger. And you explain, because we, we were watching it and trying to figure out where you were and uh, you have a nice little uh, uh, yeah. you know, a plug for, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: you know, uh, I'm an actor, so you, it's a rare occurrence that you get to work. And when you do, something happened in this episode that was even a rarer occurrence. So I'm in the pilot of the show, which is thrilling, the episode that may or may not air. Uh, then it does end up airing. And then unbeknownst to me, I am in a flashback in the second episode where they're like, yeah, we got the Baron from the wharf. And then they just cut to a shot of the group of us talking to remind the audience this may have been filmed two years ago, but uh, it happened recently in the story of the show. And because of that, because of union regulation, like you can't show flashbacks to a character because that would be such a ripoff if you can't get uh, Michelle Williams for the Venom sequel and you just keep showing flashbacks to the first one. (laughs) If you do like they did to uh, Tony's mom in The Sopranos and just use like old clips to fabricate her, you know... uh, What's the Homer Venus DeMilo thing where they like cut together audio and they're uh, like yeah. mmm, must <laughs> eat it or whatever. Like th- they could fuck with actors that way. But if they do use your imagery again, you get paid as if you're in the episode. You don't get all of the fees associated with acting in an episode, but you do get another paycheck. So for me, this what we do in the shadows is a gift that keeps on giving in that I got two paychecks out of it, which is two more than I'm accustomed to getting in this industry. And then (laughs) on top of it, five years later, I get to do Pat and Nicole's podcast. uh, The um, biggest get of all. Hey, this is the, truly, I'm still around. I'm still riding high on fucking a five hour day spent with a talented ensemble cast. Like, I'll come back for the fucking reunion episodes. I'll sit with uh, (laughs) Andy Cohen and Nandor and the whole fam and be like, the wolf (laughs) I'd be down. You
0: show up at Old Timers Day. (laughs) Right,
2: right. (laughs) I'm game for the next vampire thing for them to like big vampire council scene to be like the Warfinger. What is he doing here on zoom? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, yes. another And picture, then, then there's going
1: to have to be like a whole conversation about like, what is a Warfinger? <laughs> right, right, is it like a Stevedore? Yeah, Adore? We yeah, might yeah. as well
2: nail, nail it down. Stevedore universe. Uh, another show I want to be on. I'm just pitching, uh, pitching. Doc-
1: Adore, you I'm trying to, th-
2: <laughs> trying to think of more doc worker based shows that I could be on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just a cartoon about Frank Sabaka. <laughs> yeah, very, very adorably drawn. <laughs> a
2: cartoon who drinks eggs floating in beers. <laughs> that's just uh, guest on. <laughs> oh, finally.
0: <laughs> it's time. It's time for a body positive guest on. That's, that's what I think.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I can do pushups too, guest on. Nice try, bro. <laughs>
1: That makes one of us. Okay, Gabe, you used to host a podcast about uh, TV shows of the '80s and '90s that you uh, grew up watching as a kid. Were there any, like, especially uh, like bad, uh, like, funny ones or scary ones that come to mind now that we are in spooky season?
2: It being spooky season, it's hard not to think back on childhood programming and not come across. uh, Are you afraid of the dark? Which was like Nickelodeon's Mm -hmm. Twilight Mm -hmm. Zone for kids. Uh, and extremely Canadian, extremely Canadian, uh, no subtext whatsoever, all text, but fucked me up. One of those things where like the credits were scary enough when I was a kid, like just the swing swinging in a playground and like a random clown on a bench. It was like, that was enough Mm -hmm. to fuck me up for life.
1: Yeah, there's one I still am scared of, like, empty indoor pool because of the one where there's, like, the pool monster and they have to use their chemistry knowledge to burn it with acid. I
2: think... An episode I've I've talked about in the past and rec- and actually rewatched a couple of years ago because of the conversation around it was the mall episode right where there's a like a the mall is closed after like if a show isn't '90s enough they gotta have like a trapped in the mall episode like
1: uh-huh. yeah like
2: when we finally built a mall set for our sitcom now we have forty <laughs> more storylines we can do <laughs>
1: that was good and then there's the one with the the woman who uh like. She'll give you whatever you want, but then you get like horrible lesions all over your face. That one is also very, which is like the
2: most uh, one for one Twilight Zone ripoff ever. It's like, ask for something and receive a weird pun on it. (laughs) 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 You asked to be handsome, but do you know that now you have some hands? And it's like, what? Oh. (laughs) wow that's i'm pretty proud of that pun off the cuff by the way <laughs> I, I <didn't, laughs> take, a a for, take a second for that
0: <laughs> i uh i remember the x-ray specs one where he could see like the the people that were like all head to toe in black that like no one else could see that were like doing evil stuff oh yeah that the, and that the
2: they live rip off yeah
0: and that episode has the uh i think he's the only recurring character in the show which is a like bald mullet, having like guy who owns like a curiosity store called uh-huh. Sardo,
2: <laughs> yes, or
0: Sardo, and they all call him Mister Sardo, and then his catchphrase is correcting them that they're pronouncing his name wrong. <laughs> I don't know if he <laughs> knew somebody or like co-created the show or what, but that's the <laughs> to me Sardo Sardo, excuse me, no, uh, it's a it's a no Mister accent on the dough is what he <laughs> is his classic line that we all love. So I, I think of Mister, I think I think of Sardo. That's my. That's my Are You Afraid of the Dark memory.
2: Yeah, it's spooky as fuck. I think of the movie Dr. Giggles, but not the movie itself, just the VHS cover as, because it was like one of those things, just seeing it in the movie store, I was always like, that's got to be the most terrifying thing ever. And I have never seen it, so I don't even know if it actually is scary or not. But the cover fucked me
0: up. Oh, yeah. I don't care for that. I'm seeing it now. Uh, I just just pulled it up here. (laughs)
2: Just like a doctor's face and like it's close and it just bugged me out so much as a little kid. I was like, but doctors being scary? No, thank you.
0: Yeah. We got got a classic tagline, a new prescription for terror, which, you know, I don't know why you would want that prescription. That's not
1: gonna what is that prescription for? I'm I'm not gonna go fill that.
0: I'm not going to CVS. Just Jeez. get the text uh, from CBS. Are you sure your prescription is ready? It's like Y slash N. To...
2: N, baby. I'm gonna live forever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark where a family goes to a bed and breakfast, and they they progressively get older, and it's just the plot of the new M Night Shyamalan <laughs> movie. But it, it's a half hour children's television show from Canada from the nineties.
0: The house in Vermont that makes you old.
1: Uh huh. Oh yeah, they they
2: have also names that are like. Uh, the kids who starred in the show wrote it like it's like they let the midnight society come up with names for the episodes the the (laughs) dog who was so scary it was almost a nightmare dog it's like oh (laughs) (laughs) copy that uh do you guys have any uh other like vampire adjacent because you forget watching the show which is it's such a pure comedy show it's so funny But on top of it, it does play in the vampire lore world really well, which I think is it's thrilling and getting to see like uh, the energy vampire coming. Do you guys have any vampire adjacent uh, things that you wish what what we do in the shadows would do? Like they got the horniness down pat with Laszlo. Like they got that sort of (laughs) Lothario vampire, but is there any other vampire activities that reminds me? (laughs) I just saw, I just watched the episode where they play the werewolves and kickball. And it's sort of like Mm -hmm. a twilight reference where they're playing that cartoonish scene where they play baseball using their super spooky powers. So watching them do that in what we do in the shadows and even say it's like twilight was really funny for me.
1: We've talked about this a little on the show before, but they they introduced very briefly, there is a Chinese jumping vampire in uh, the orgy. And the Chinese jumping vampire is like a real thing in uh, Chinese. And I think kind of the whole s- Southeast Asian subcontinent uh, have like jumping vampires that are reanimated corpses. So I want to see more about that guy. I also think if we're getting into other like classic horror figures, I want to see some dang mummies.
2: Yeah, we got to get the mummy out here. I want a here. mummy yeah. episode. I want Tom Cruise, Brendan Fraser, and <laughs> and the mummy baby.
1: <laughs> God, could you imagine if they got the guy from not Brendan Fraser, but the guy who plays the mummy, in Arnold the mummy. Vosloo? <laughs> <laughs> you had that so fast. Well, You just Please. read it off, You had it before I finished saying my sentence. He just read it, it off his, his bicep
2: tattoo. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> <Yeah, right.
0: laughs> Please, show some respect to Arnold Vosloo. An honor and
2: a tribute to Mr. (laughs) Vosloo.
0: Yeah. Uh, He was also a very good 24 villain uh, in a show that is otherwise horrifying in retrospect, but he was entertaining (laughs) on the show. Uh,
2: A show that started when I was a PA at Best Week Ever, and they were like, does anyone have any ideas for twenty to make fun of 24? I'm like, wouldn't we eventually see the guy take a shit if, like, in in this big <laughs> meeting, I'm like a new PA, I'm like, would you eventually see Kiefer Sutherland take a shit if it really was following him of, uh, uh, in real time? They were like, uh, what?
1: Like, All right, I'll get
2: back to transcribing lost episodes. See you later.
1: I think you had a good point.
2: I'm cu- yeah. still curious about that. He just
0: gotta go the whole time. That's why he's so pissed off.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's angry. That's why he's Uh, torturing, he's doing enhanced interrogation because he's got a fucking turtle head sticking out and he's got a rush.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like the, not just the types of vampires, but I like all the conventions around vampires and the show hints at a lot of them. It doesn't hint all of them. And I think storytelling wise, it's probably tougher to do some than others, but like the whole, like having to be invited in, um, the obsession with counting, which is kind of a, a, a kind of a minor one, that's like the <laughs> yeah. like the cool kids know about that one, and that's also why the count on Sesame Street is so good. It's like a <laughs> reference that people don't even realize that has been. Do they
1: made. do? Do they have an obsession with counting on the show?
0: No, but Not like that, that's like the. Like a like ancient you know folklore is like mm-hmm. you just like dump a bag of you rice, spill rice so uh, yeah, and they're, and they're screwed. They can't and then on your stoop, and then they. And can't so that's leave. where
2: the count comes from. Uh, the Sesame Street character is sort of like an yeah. unpacking of that. That's fucking awesome. Ah. Not only do I get to brag about working once 5 years ago on this podcast, I also <laughs> learn information. Holy <laughs> shit. Holy I shit. I mean
1: primarily we are an educational podcast. That's how we're listed on you iTunes. You guys are
2: edutainment. <laughs> yeah. Watch out Adam Conover. <laughs> we're coming for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody just wheeled in the AV cart and we're um, we're just going to they're going to play this on a uh, yeah.
2: All right, kids, I'm a little hungover today, so I'm going to play you an episode of a podcast called Not You, Guillermo. It's What We Do in the Shadows podcast. If you haven't watched the show, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Here's season three, episode five. Go nuts. It's a
0: podcast. Uh, Maybe there's nudity. You can't be sure, so stick (laughs) around. yeah. (laughs) That'll
2: that'll get me to pay. We saw Romeo and Juliet in high school, uh, and that showed her boobs, and she had... I was 14, and I'm... Almost as a 39-year-old man mentioned how great of boobs they were. And <laughs> no need. Literally no need to do that everyone. But it's burned into my head seeing boobs in school was just so wild to me. We
1: had to watch we had to watch a movie called Jean de Florette in French class, which is like the much more upsetting version of that where there was nudity in it, but the rest of the movie was so, like, gross and artistic that even, like, the 14-year-old boys in the class were like, we don't want to watch this anymore. Oh. It's that one, and then the next one is la Spring, which is, like, a man who's obsessed with a woman takes... a her hair ribbon and like pierces his own nipple and like threads it through his nipple. (laughs) And everyone was like, why are we doing this in school?
2: Teaching kids like, all right, you want to know French stuff? This is French stuff. And it's like, Hey, French (laughs) people are weird. It's like, yeah, well, if you just watch this content, you might assume that, uh, Yeah, Yeah.
0: just just get like the French dub for Family Matters and play that or
2: whatever.
1: (laughs) Got any fromage?
2: Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's not even close to being a translation. It's just him in English saying something
0: else. Did Waa do that? (laughs) Yeah, just not even close.
2: You just made me think of something saying the 14 year old boys watching this like French art film, hoping for like the amount of (laughs) this is way too much information, but it's once it's in my brain, I can't get, I got to get it out. I grew up like in the era of HBO as being the only chance of seeing nudity and HBO airing like exclusively like real sex and or psychosexual thrillers being the way I saw nudity and sexuality portrayed in hindsight could not have been good for me as like a budding like learning about sex like I'm like all right, I guess I'm gonna jerk off to the movie Jade again which is like she chokes this woman while you know it's like two days in the valley as a guy choking this woman while he has sex with her but I gotta stay up and watch it and try to jerk off during the 115 seconds Segment where I'm sure the official companion, uh, and what we do in the Shadows podcast might oh, edit this unofficial. out. It's oh, it's fine.
1: unofficial. Hell yeah! Yeah, hell yeah. It's, there's no rules. Leave here. this, like in.
0: Yeah, we're sending this to the FX team, and they'll, they'll let us know if there's any edits that have to come through. <laughs> What was that shit about Jade? Why was he talking about...
1: (laughs) 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 FX just acquired all the rights to Jade (laughs) to do do a TV version of it. Yeah, David Caruso's wife is the
0: president of FX, (laughs) and you guys are all in trouble.
1: (laughs) Thank you, John, so much for being here. This was so much fun. Where can our listeners find you?
2: I'm at Gabrus, G-A-B-R-U-S, on all social media, and I have a few podcasts I'd like you to check out. I got High and Mighty, which is my chat show podcast. Patty's been on that. I've got Action Boys, which is a movie podcast behind a paywall, but we got some free episodes out wherever you get it. I got the Gino Lombardo show season three dropping now, October 11th. So, you know, go to stitcherpremium.com, promo code Gino, gets you one free month. And I am also the host of a weekly movie chat show called The Movie Buff on Spotify Greenroom, which is uh, an app where uh, it's practically live radio in 2021. You can jump in there and uh, you can quote unquote First time, long time, and uh, talk to me in the room. So check it out there. That's the Spotify green room app. The show's called The Movie Buff. All right. Are all my fucking corporate daddies happy? I said all of that. <laughs> I sweated at the fucking river for you. Sorry. You had it. You
1: had it so perfect. If anybody ever asked me to like plug anything, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's, you could just Google me I and something will come. I up. used
2: to be like, don't bother. And now I'm like, if one person does anything for that, it could eventually down the road mean more food. So it's worth it.
1: <laughs> uh you heard it here first. Everybody, please go look up all of Gay vs. podcasts so he can eat food. Yeah.
0: Feed this man. Feed me, baby. Feed me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Next week, we will be chatting about episode eight, The Wellness Center, in which Nandor is persuaded to reject vampirism and pursue a healthier lifestyle.
0: If you enjoyed the episode, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It really helps people find out about the show. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mo.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Nicole Conlin and on Instagram at Conlin. And you can visit TheDip.com to stay up to date on all sorts of pop culture. That's TheDiPP.com. You can follow The Dip on Instagram at TheDip. <laughs>